Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. All right, so we are in Luke 15. Luke 15, we're going to go from 11 to 32. And today we're going to meet a boy who thought that if he could just get away from his dad, that his life would be better. He's like, if I could just get as far away from this guy as possible, I would have all the joy in the world. And so he makes a move. You could say it like this, he moves from the small town to the big city and then he ends up in big sin. And then the Bible says that he comes to his senses. And what happens is he remembers the father that he has at home. And so he goes home. He remembers that his dad is merciful. He remembers that his dad is kind. He remembers that his dad is compassionate. And so he gets home, up and he goes home. See, the dad at home made it easy for him to go home. And his father is a picture of our father. That's why when we sin, when we drift into sin, all of us do, we can repent and come home. You hear it? When we drift into sin, we can repent and come home. If you have Luke 15, say, I'm ready. Come on, say, I'm ready. Verse 11, it says, he also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of the country who set him, sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And I'm here dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, I just want to stay there for a minute. Fathers, don't be afraid to show your kids affection. Kissed his boy. Hugged his boy. Right? There's some guys out there like, oh, I'm not, I don't, this is not in the sermon. It's coming to me right now. I'm afraid to show affection. No! If you love somebody, you show affection when it's necessary. If you need to have a good cry, you go right ahead. You're not manly if you're, I don't cry. 
That's probably wimpy. The son said, anyway, the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servant, quick, bring one out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring fattened calf, the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. Here's why. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Watch this, though, I tell you. Somebody's always vexed when there's good things going on, right? Now his older, brother, his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So there was a party going on. So he summoned, he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has, has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him? The dad says, son, he said to him, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. God, we give you thanks for your word. We pray, Lord, as we open it up now, you would enlighten our eyes and show us wondrous, wonderful things, Lord God, in your word. I pray that our hearts would be warmed by what we hear here and our lives would be changed. Anoint us, Lord, in a fresh way that we'd pay attention that I'd be able to deliver the word in a way that it's effective and it helps your flock, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So one day the dad's in the kitchen and the son comes in and he says, Dad, I want what's coming to me. He walks in and he says in verse 12, give me my share of the estate. Now, when the son makes this request, you know what he's saying to his dad? He's saying, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. See, this boy here in verse 12, what he is is he's impatient and he's inconsiderate. That's what's going on. He can't wait and he hasn't thought about how his words might affect his dad. Now, here's the thing. Here's why I want you to see this because that shows us that's two things that's going on when we sin. When we sin, we're being impatient. We're not waiting on God to provide that good thing and so we say, I'm just going to take it into my own hands. The other one is we're being inconsiderate. We're not thinking, who else will this sin affect and hurt? We think it's only going to affect us. We're not considering others. And so one of the ways to defeat sin in your life is actually to embrace patience. Just to wait. I, God, I know if you want that thing, you're going to give that to me. And the other one is, another way to defeat sin is to slow down, stop, and think. What will this do to everybody else who loves me and trusts me and is relying on me? You're not an island. Slow down. Embrace patience. Think. Verse 13 says, not many days later, the son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his, his estate in foolish living. If you're writing this today, you'd say he took everything. 
he went to Vegas and he lost it all. That would be our translation. And then verse 15 says, Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the, feed, into the fields to feed pigs. Now I want you to see that. Because this is a job that no Jewish person would do. Because they thought pigs were unclean. Now you also need to notice, he messes up, but he doesn't go home right away. Which tells you that when we fall into sin, one of the things we try to do is we try to fix it all ourselves. Rather than just running home to God, let me see if I can manage this, if I can get this right, rather than going for help. Here's the other thing. When you drift and you turn from God, sometimes you will find yourself doing things you never thought you would do. That's why we stay close to our father. This boy expected to live the dream and ended up in a nightmare. A prince that became a pauper. But the text says eventually, he, verse 17, he comes to his senses. And what he plans to say when he gets home tells us what it looks like to truly repent. Here it is. You know you're truly repenting when you remember and see the goodness of God. Look at in verse 17. He says, my father's worker, workers have more than enough. He remembers how generous and how good his dad is. More than, no one at home starving, but here I am in the field suffering because I ran away. Here's the other one. You know you're repenting when you don't blame other people for your sin. Verse, 17, verse 18, he says, I have sinned. He doesn't do an errand, right? We've talked about Aaron before, right, in Exodus. Oh, Moses, you know the people. You went up the hill. They gave me all their jewelry, and we just put it in the fire, and then a calf came out. That's not what happened. And when you read that story, you just keep saying over and over, Aaron fashioned the calf. Aaron put, put it all together. He took it and said, here's how we're going to do it. You know you're repenting when you're not blaming other people for your sin. Here's the other one. You know you're repenting when you know your sin is ultimately against God. In verse 18, he says, I have sinned against heaven. All sin is against God before anyone else. The other one, you, you admit you're not worthy. Verse 19, he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He's going to say all this to his dad. This next one, you're ready to accept whatever punishment comes. You know you're repenting truly when I'm, I'm ready for whatever comes. He says, verse 19, make me like one of your hired workers. He's not expecting any special treatment. And this last one, you take steps needed to make changes in your life. You're like, where are you getting that? Verse 20, he got up and went to his fault. He did something. This is biblical repentance. This is repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So he's going home to get it fixed. Say so he's going home. He's going home. And here's what you find out. The dad was looking out for him all the time. He was coming to the front porch, maybe today. He was looking out the window, maybe today, maybe today. And then one day, he saw him. He saw that boy 
coming up the road with no shoes on his feet. He saw him with holes in his shirt. He, he could smell him. He was smelling like the streets. He had tears rolling down his eyes. And then look at verse 20. It says, he, when he got up and went to his father, but while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion on him, and he ran. Usain Bolt couldn't beat him down that driveway. He ran to his boy, ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The kiss said, I forgive you. That's what that would have told that boy. And when we come, that's what God said, I forgive you. And notice, he didn't even get to do the speech. He he wanted to say, here's what I'm going to say. Dad doesn't even let him. He cuts him off. He says, strike up the band. Right? There's a party going on. He said, kill the calf. It's time to cook. It's time to celebrate. Here's why. Verse 24. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, when we walk away from God, we die spiritually. But when we repent for the first time, we get new life. It's right in the text. Notice he said, he was dead, and now he is alive. He was lost, and now he is found. That's why the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, they're what? A new? They're a new? They're a new? creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. See, and here's, here's, here's how this should help you. When temptation comes knocking, do you know what you say? Oh, you got the wrong house. Oh, no, 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 no. You got the wrong house. You're, that, that person, that Marv, that guy, is dead. he doesn't live here anymore. Pastor Shaw, he doesn't live here anymore. Steph, she doesn't live here anymore. The person who lives here is no longer living for themselves. I am new in Christ. I am living for the glory of God and the blessing of other people. The Father's actions show that when a person repents and comes home, God shows them love. That's what he does. Notice, the dad never says, I told you so. He never says, if you don't hear, you will feel. He never said that. Right? The Jamaicans know all that. Yeah, grandma said that all the time. Then the slipper flew. He never says that. Here's why I want you to see this. Parents and future parents, your kids are going to mess up. They're going to do things that discourage you. They're going to do things that let you down. They're going to do things that disappoint you. But here's the thing. When they come to you, do not kick them while they're down. Help them get on their feet. If they're already broken, why press it even more? Now, let me make sure I tell you what I'm not saying on this. I'm not saying as a parent you should ever excuse bad behavior. Amen? Right? I got a couple at home. Trust me. I'm not saying to excuse bad behavior. What I'm saying is when you're helping your child get back on their feet, don't break their spirit in the process. 
That child should feel that even though some discipline is happening, even though some correction is coming, they should feel that they're loved by you more than anyone else. So handle it the right way. Proverbs 28 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and and renounces them finds mercy. I want you to know that this boy, when he came home, he found mercy. He got the best robe. That was a sign of authority. He got an expensive ring. That means his status as a son was back. When the father says, bring the ring. When the sandals were put on his feet, that, that showed that he was no longer a slave, that now he was a free man. And when the party started, when the big party started, it said, welcome back to the family. You got to think about this. This boy came with nothing and received everything. The mercy, God, his father showed him mercy. And the mercy and forgiveness that he received is the mercy and forgiveness that you and I have received. We came when we repented for the first time with nothing, but we received everything from God. And that's because Jesus Christ gave everything for you and for me. See, Jesus is like the younger brother. He leaves his father. But Jesus didn't leave his father to waste his life. He left his father to give his life to bring you and me back to life. That's what Jesus did for us. Because of Jesus, you are living under the mercy of God. Because of Jesus, you're living every day and standing in grace and mercy. That's why you and I, we can start every day by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of what? All the days of my life with us all the time. I told you though, good things going on, somebody is upset. Older brother comes home and he asks, What's going on? Verse 27. It says, the, he, sorry, verse 26. He summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. It says, your brother is here. He told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he, he, has, he has him back sound, safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go inside. So his father came out and pleaded with him. His dad asked him to come inside. The father's words show us that when a person repents and comes home, God wants you and me to join the party. He wants us to celebrate. But here's the thing, though. Like the brother, this can be hard. It can be hard to celebrate when a person repents. Here's why it can be hard. It can be hard to do it when the person repenting sinned against you. When the person repenting is experiencing mercy and grace and forgiveness from God, it can be hard to celebrate. Here's another way it can be hard to celebrate. It can be hard to celebrate when you think you're better than that person. When you think that person is beneath you. When you think that person does not deserve grace. But when you're struggling to celebrate the repentance that, uh, that, and the mercy that God is showing someone, you just simply pray, God, help me to, re- to remember how many people I've hurt. Help me to remember how much mercy and grace 
I need. Help me to remember how much mercy and grace you've shown me every single day. Every day is mercy from God. He's upset with his brother, but he's also more upset with his dad. Right? Some of you in here, you're like, I've been mad at my parents before. He's really upset with his dad. Verse 29. But he replied. So his father's like, come on in. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered a fattened calf for him. When people are angry, you ever notice this? It exposes them, right? We all, you, know, you don't know people till like they either live with you or they get upset. And usually they're living with you and upset. <laughs> but words, his words expose him. I'm going to show you. Watch this. He's just as disrespectful as his little brother. He's looking down on the little, he's just as bad. He, he, he refuses to go inside. Dad's like, what are you doing out here? He's like, I'm not going in. He saw himself as a slave, not as a son. He says, I've been slaving for you for many years. He saw everything he did was, was for some sort of payment. He felt used and underappreciated. He says, you never gave me a goat. Jermaine smiling. He says, I want, now we're like, who's asking for a goat? Just think, you know, you never gave me like $150. Just convert it into your translation. He's like, you never gave me a goat. Now watch this. He didn't want to be around his dad either. See, this is why you got to read your Bible close. Just like the, old, the younger brother, he, he wanted to be away just the same. Look at it again. You never gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. He didn't say, you never gave me a goat that we could cook it and enjoy it as a family. He's like, you never gave me a goat so I could go over into the next field with my brethren and do my thing. He didn't want to be with his dad either. He's the same. He hates his brother. He says, this son of yours hates his brother. Here's the last one. He's self-righteous. He says, I never disobeyed your orders. Think about it. He's saying, I never, I never went wrong against you. See, his words show the traps Christians can easily fall into. That's why I'm, I'm, that's why I'm slowing down here. Because this is important for us. Because these are traps. You and me, we can fall into them. Every, some of us might even be in them right now. Here's them. We can disrespect God with our words. That's why the Bible says be slow to speak. We can lose sight of our identity in Christ. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how tough things get, you never want to forget that you are a child of God, loved by God, being helped by God every single day, being carried by God home. Here's the other one. We can start to think God owes us for our service. All of you, because you're in Christ and the Spirit is living in you, have a spiritual gift. You should use it to serve the church body. There's some people downstairs doing that right now for the babies in our church. But here's the thing. God owes you nothing for that. As I'm standing here serving you, getting to minister to you, thank you for letting me do that. But God owes me nothing for this. 
Because he has given us the thing we need most, our salvation. If you get nothing else from God but new life in Christ, you're good. He owes you nothing. And the moment you start to think God owes you something, you are in a dangerous spot. And you are going to start becoming angry at God. And it's going to become very easy to drift from God. Because you're like, you owe me. God owes us nothing. All he's shown us is mercy and grace. And he didn't even have to do that. This last one. We can fall into thinking that we're better than other brothers and sisters in Christ. One of, the, one of the things that happens in, in church world is we start to look and be like, mm, I'm not like this guy. God willing, Jermaine's going to preach next week. Not tomorrow, it's Monday. Um, and he's gonna, it's going to be a text about someone who just looked down on other people. But we never want to get into that spot. If you start to think that you're better than other people in the church family, you're in a place of pride. And you always need to remember, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Watch yourself. And I say that to me as well. You can tell by, you know, the way I'm preaching this text that I really like this dad. I appreciate this dad. You know why? Because the man won't give up on any of his kids. Trust me. Sometimes I look at my boys, I'm like, oh, man. But he won't give up on any. I love the boys. You know that. Talk to them. They're my, they're, we have handshakes and everything. But this guy won't give up on his kids. Look at verse 31. He says, son, he said to him, you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. So he reminds. He, so sometimes when people are upset, the best thing you can do is just tell them what is true. Because when they're upset, they're not thinking straight. So just remind them of what is true. He reminds the boy of what's true. He's like, you're my son. So you're not a slave. You're thinking the wrong way. Then he's like, look at it. The palace, all this stuff, the clothes, everything, the goats, whatever it is, it's all yours. He's like, I'm not playing favorites. You're going to get what's coming to you. He's like, what's wrong with you? He reminds him of what is true. And I also want you to notice something. He says, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. See, the boy, the older brother, is ignoring the relationship. But the dad won't let him. He's like, remember, he said, this son of yours. The dad says, no, this brother of yours. is." A, here it comes again, parents and future parents. I was so happy when I was like, I finally get a text where I can talk to the parents in our church, right? There's a ton of babies in here. But when your kids fall out, one of the, it's going to happen, right? Yesterday, the boys were at the pool. They were swimming for a minute, and then all of a sudden, they were fighting over a floaty. It happens like that. that. When your kids fall out, the best thing you can do for them in helping them work things out is to say, your family. You're treating him like or her like they're not a part of this family, but that's your blood, and blood is thicker than water. So you two go over there and you work that out. Because sometimes in this life, things will happen, and when you look around, the only people who are going to be standing there with you is family. And so you teach your kids to be tight, to be down for each other, to look out for one another. You say, your fa this father teaches us, he says, your brother. And it's an appeal to his heart. He's trying to get him to soften up towards his siblings. Sibling strife is going to happen. 
And parents, when you see it, and future parents, do not step back. Step in. And you say, your family. Get it right. The father said, we had to rejoice and celebrate. And then, then it just ends. Do you notice that? You don't know if he goes inside. You don't know if he goes in there and hugs his brother. You don't know if he's like, you know what, Pops, you're right. I, I wasn't seeing it straight. Give me, give me some of that curry goat. I want that. I just figure if there was a goat, that's probably what they're doing, right? Some white rice. Coleslaw on the side. Yeah, right? Y'all are getting hungry. Let me hurry up. It just ends. You don't know what he, and so I was sitting at home and I'm like, how am I going to end the sermon? How am I going to like, how am I going to put this baby on the ground? Then I was like, oh, maybe I can find all these like cool ways that I can show you how it connects to Jesus and how it's all about him and all that kind of stuff. And honestly, I was sitting on in the backyard and I was thinking about this and I realized like, I just wanted to do that to impress you. That's all that was going on. I wanted you to be like, oh man, Marv's doing the thing today. Like, that's all I wanted. And then the Holy Spirit said, just keep their eyes on the Father. He's the hero of the story, not you. Keep their eyes on the Father. Tabidi and Abueli said this, Unlike human fathers who have sometimes failed us, God, the perfect Father, never fails us, never forsakes us, but loves us and rejoices over us. There's no father like this Father. Come to him ready to be Loved. You got to think, look at this dad. He meets both of their sons where they're at and helps them get to where they need to be. That's what God does for us. That's why we can always, always come home. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, we give you all the glory and all the praise. God, for the mercy you have shown us, for the grace that we are standing in. God, we glorify your name because we know that you are good. We know, Lord God, that you heal those who are broken, that you help all who come to you in true biblical repentance. You don't shake your head at them. You throw your arms around us, Lord. Kiss us. Tell us that we are forgiven. You show us affection spiritually. And begin your work of transformation in us. I pray every person in this room who has truly repented and come to you, who is even maybe repenting right now, as I pray, knows that you are loving them and already beginning your good work in them that you will bring to completion. Father, we give you praise. When we mess up, other people push us aside. When we live in a culture where if you make one mistake, people bury you. You are not a God like that. You are a father that says, yeah, I know you messed up. Yeah, I know you screwed up over there, but come on home. God, you don't lie to us about sin. You don't stop us when we want to run off to ourselves. But God, you warn from your word. You tell us, don't go that way. 
Don't take the crooked path. You tell us to stay on the narrow path for our good. But if we drift off, Lord God, you help us back on to the right road. And not just that, Lord God, as we step on that right road, you empower us to stay on it by filling us afresh with your spirit, by anointing us to live in God-honoring, God-glorifying ways. Help us, Lord God, to see your goodness this week, to love you, to live for you, to serve you, and to be wise, Lord God, in our living by following your word, by staying close to you, by giving you all the praise, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.